to this weekend's episode of Wade In. We're going to deviate from the norm a little bit by uh, pushing back, I guess, our focus on the weekend's racing and the highlights or high lows, if you like, depending on who you backed over the weekend, to deal with the most important racing issue of the past week, and some would say even of the past few months, and that is, of course, the ruling that came down in the case of Bryony Frost against Robbie Dunn, where the BHA found in the favour of Bryony Frost that a systemic campaign of bullying and intimidation had taken place. Dunn has received a lengthy suspension, as you will all be, I'm sure, aware. And we're going to pick through, I guess, the reaction, the fallout, and the future for uh, the rulings on this particular case, important as it is for racing. Delighted to be joined, as always, by Mr. Kevin Blake. How are you, Kev? Um, listen, can I do anything for you? Can I get you a cup of tea? And can I get a little <laughs> massage there? And I, put out, I put up the video last night of you knocking some poor lad out with the biggest mean hook I've seen since Mike Tyson retired from the ring. And I'm, I'm going to have to be nice to you from now on, I think, Kev. We're going to have to go very well, easy. Well, well, that was the whole thought of putting it up, you. It was meant indirectly for you. I just wanted you to see it to get you back in order. And uh, ensure some favorable treatment on the weigh-in podcast. So, so yeah. I'm glad, glad to see it worked or see yeah, it work. Well, anyway. My campaign of intimidation against you is going to have to see something from now on after that. <laughs> uh, good TC, Mr. Calvin. Good weekend. You were watching the rugby, I presume, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a successful weekend on that front. But Enough. coming back to Kev, I hope that girl was all right after she knocked her out. And Vanessa, how's the form? All good? All good, all good at my end. Yeah, happy weekend, done and dusted. Are you are you are you the kind of person to be impressed by Kevin's boxing skills, or you just think he's he's showing off for the crowd here? What what do you think? I am unfortunately, and it may surprise some people, but I am incredibly soft, and I can't watch somebody throw a punch. I've never watched a boxing fight in my life. My dad wow. made a film about boxing, and I couldn't watch half of it. I couldn't watch about actually about ninety percent of it, and I can't even watch a Twitter clip. It makes me feel sick. So wow. I'm just terribly okay. soft. Sorry, right. everyone. Okay. Kev, your, your, your efforts to woo Vanessa have gone down the toilet. <laughs> Try something else. Try He's something still edging you. That's refuses already, TC. My God, yeah. it's not even Christmas time. You're down right. to you. You're down to you, bent and you're gone. You are. <laughs> right, folks. Listen, um, we'll put our, our serious hats on for the next while, if you don't mind, because um, the fallout from the verdict ever since it was announced on Thursday afternoon has been quite something to watch. I guess for people inside of racing, for people associated with the case, and um, for those directly involved with um, the Jockeys Association as well, and even just for for I guess curious bystanders who mightn't have known a huge amount of the case, but I've been reading about it subsequently and over the course of the weekend with the Sunday papers as well. Vanessa, I think we should probably start with, um, I, you know, the judgment itself and the reaction uh, to it. Immediately when the judgment was handed down, the Professional Jockeys Association had their say, um, somewhat misguided, I think was the general view for which Paul Swithers has gone on um, several media outlets since and seek to... I guess, roll back a little bit on the nature of the statement that was released. Some jockeys that have been interviewed course-wise as well have had pretty strong statements to make about their view on the case, and most of whom came down in favour of Robbie Dunn. It's been, it's been quite something, I guess, to watch all the reaction to this case. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of the verdict, I don't think anyone thought it was going to go any other way than finding Robbie Dunn guilty after you obviously heard the first week of evidence from Bryony. I don't think it was in any way a surprise that he was found guilty, given the defence that was put up. Um, and as, as for the ban itself, some people were surprised by 18 months, knowing that the maximum is three years. Uh, look, like the bottom line is there's no real precedent set here. It was a case that was um, a bit, well, so far a bit of a one-off that the BHA, the PJA and everyone's had to deal with. And so where were they going to land? Well, 
I think 18 months is about right. That might surprise a few people. And yeah, I know he's an older jockey and it could be a bit of a career. It, it has the potential to be a career ending ban for him, really, because he's going to be 40 by the time he comes back from this ban. Where will he pick up at that stage in his career? Who knows what, what lays down the road for Robbie Dunn? Um, yeah, it's a very significant and serious ban, but it fits the crime, in my opinion. And I'm not saying that they've made an example of him, but they've definitely set a precedent with this ban. This is enough of a ban that it signifies to not just the racing world, but the wider public as well, that this is not tolerated. This is very serious in the, in the BHA's eyes. And if this behaviour is found to be within the weighing room or within our sport full stop, you are going to have to do the time you know, in a serious amount of time. And it does set a precedent going forward. And I think it sets a good example uh, to the wider public, uh, uh, the sporting fans, people looking in who aren't in our racing bubble, that we are as a sport taking this extraordinarily seriously. And so the verdict and for me, the punishment fits the, fits the crime. Okay, but on that then, you know, it was it was interesting and notable the reaction of a few jockeys that were interviewed in the aftermath of the verdict, both at the weekend as well, the likes of Ellen Cawley, uh, Aidan Coleman had pretty strong stuff to say. They focused on um, some of the wording that was used during the course of the hearing itself. The word ransom was thrown out and jockeys quick to defend that. But what struck me, Vanessa, was that the jockeys themselves, it doesn't seem to have registered to a lot of them, how serious this judgment is and actually being able to accept the findings of the hearing itself. Yeah, and I agree with what you've said there. I have been surprised by some of the jockeys' um, reaction to this. Obviously, Tony's, I think, going to sort of touch upon the PJ's statement and the women's statement that also came out. So we'll wait just across that bridge. Just in terms of some of the interviews that went out live, a couple of points to make here. I think the jockeys in generally, in general in our sport and trainers as well, actually, are woefully ill-equipped to deal with a media storm. They're the spokespeople for our sport, yet barely any of them have had any training or understanding of how to deal with a media and a PR crisis, which is exactly what this case is. And so they are, a microphone is shoved under their noses. Yes, they're professionals. They're used to dealing with interviews, but they'll have had no guidance or training with how to deal with this. The PGA, please do correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that prior to this all unfolding or in the week where this unfolded, I'm pretty sure that nobody was, none of the PGA's members were given any guidance on how to deal with this. And as a result, they came out and they only spoke their truth. So there was a lot of lines from past and present jockeys of, I haven't seen any bullying and I love the weighing room. Well, that's all well and good, but a PR crisis management team or a person or anyone that could have given them guidance in this situation would have said to the jockeys before they were, you know, before microphones were shoved under their noses, okay, guys, you may not have seen any bullying and you may love the weighing room but you've got to show that you're aware now that this is a situation that needs tackling going forward, that you're saddened by the case, that you're sad that somebody within our sport, within your network has been found to have been bullied under, you know, this in the same room that you guys frequent day in, day out. You need to show an awareness for what has happened at the very least, an acknowledgement. And none of them have done that. Now, I don't know why that is. I, I think that, you know, I'm not asking people to pick sides. I'm not telling jockeys that they should come out on a side of one person or another in this case. But I think that they would have been better off to have shown some acknowledgement for what's happened and have come out and said, you know, if one jockey had come out and said, 
I've never seen any bullying. I love the weighing room. Having said that, I'm very sad to hear of the outcome of this case. I'm sad for Bryony Frost that she's had to go through this. This case has made me a lot more aware going forwards, and I will now keep an eye out for something similar happening mm with you know in the weighing room i don't want to see this happen again this is a mess but you know when you compare it to footballers for instance they have a team of those teams have pr people swarming around them you know they have many many sort of those those footballers can go to any person any media management team and say how do i deal with this crisis and they're given guidance i just feel like once again the pga may have let the jockeys down in helping them deal with what is a pr crisis for racing okay well on that point then again derek o'donnell in the question says uh, you know has referenced this why is it the jockeys most jockeys appear to actually not read the findings before they went on their rants of distraction and why do you think none of the jockeys interviewed expressed any concern about bullying being confirmed harry george am i being cynical and thinking that the pga pressure jockeys to go on the attack in their post-race interviews recalling the weighing room culture rancid did those interviews further damage the sport and an awful lot of questions on AP McCoy as well, which I get back to in his reaction to this. But Tony, you know, on the Professional Jockeys Association here, you know, mm. the statement in and of itself, where they, they put out a statement that said that Bryony Frost felt like she was bullied, not that she actually was bullied. And I was only to Nick Look yesterday and Look on Sunday, put pressures on Mr. Sweaters to say, look, do not accept that you were wrong in what you said there, that he actually eventually, and even then, Tony, it took him a long time in his answer to get to the fact that, yeah, well, yes, we accept that we were wrong to do that. The reaction of the PGA in itself is quite astonishing, I thought. Yeah, I mean, just, just to touch upon what Vanessa said, um, it really kind of like grinds my gears. If you need education or a PR person to tell you what's right and wrong in this case, then you'll be on redemption already, aren't you? I mean, what, what are people thinking about? And obviously the jockeys have come out and past and present jockeys haven't given a satisfactory answer and response to this in my, in, in my eyes. Obviously, A.P. McCoy's, some of his tweets and, and blocking people who disagreed with him is a very, very bad look for him. But the jockeys are seemingly taking their lead from the PGA. Now, the two statements that came out after this, after the court case um, on Friday, was, was, just, uh, was, it, uh, was it Thursday, sorry? Uh, Thursday, was just, yeah. was just beyond belief. Um, the main statement, again, you, you touched upon, uh, Bryony felt that she was bullied and... And uh, John Holmes, the PGA chairman, who's who should know better because you know among the other the agents, you know, person people he agents for, uh, you know, Nick Luck, Ruby Walsh, Mick Fitzgerald, Jess Ever. So he should know he should know this, and he should know the reaction what he's going into. He actually doubled down on ITV on Friday, and uh, with this felt line, and it was just a car. It was just a car crash. No wonder why the jockeys were coming out because they were towing the line. Now whether or not they believe that or whether, you know, they're pot committed and they're all going to go down this path. I don't know, but it was it just an incredibly bad look. And I thought this was an, a very easy case for the media to deal with. And by large, they did it really well because you can't come to any other conclusion than, than the BHA hearing did. You know, Bronnie Frost... Do you, accept really Paul's, do you accept Paul Strutter's position that the PGA were actually hamstrung a bit here because they were trying to do their best by representing and defending both sides, I, both parties, Robbie Dunn, Briony Frost, do you accept that as an acceptable no, no, defense because on their part? Name me one thing that they did in defense of and for Briony Frost in this case. Name me one thing. I can't exactly. So then that's that's a bullshit line, isn't it? And, and, and you know, I just I just really don't get their head in the sand approach to all this. Um, I get I, I'm at total loss. I mean, you go in that Briony Frost, the 
the, the jockey's reaction to Brian Frost, I, I, I was digging around at the weekend and I was, there must be something more to this. Now, and the, the answer I got back was jealousy and dislike. Uh, and quite why I don't know. But if, for example, from the jockey's point of view, you hear people saying, oh, she's quite rude. Um, jealousy, because she got success very early. Um, something that hasn't really been played out is the fact that when when you when bookmakers have an ambassador in place, uh, Brian Frost, they, they're meant to be 25. That's a yeah. bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Matchbook were allowed to take on Brian Frost when she was 22. Obviously, the Jockey Club race courses took her on as an ambassador very, very early as well. I think that got people's backs up. But it's like the um, people refer to all oh, the, you know, how she rides in a race and stuff like It's totally irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. Nothing justifies the abuse that she's been given. She may be rude. Who isn't on occasions? You know, she, she, she got success very early. They might be jealous of it. Just get over it. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I, I'm mystified. I'm mystified by the response. So over the weekend, I, I, I spoke to a jockey who we won't name. He's a flat chat jockey, but he knows all about the jumps game. And I asked him a few questions about this because this self, Kevin will come on to the self-believing because he, he was actually brilliant on, on Sky Sports Racing yesterday on this on Sunday. I asked him about the self-policing because the self-policing clearly didn't work in, in the other major case going on, the Gibbons-Tilicky case, because obviously you got Jim Crowley coming out. I said, oh, yeah, he always always had kind of like alcohol in his breath, Graham Gibbons, you know, but they didn't do anything. So self-policing didn't work in the Briony case and it didn't work here. But, you know, I was, I was fascinated to find out an, an inside liner, as it were. It's not an inside mm-hmm. line because he's not a jump shocker. But... I was, it was quite an eye opener. What, what, well, what came back with? Well, okay, just I guess on on Bryony, uh, Kevin, and, and and what happens from now on here. Um, there was a couple of pieces in the Sunday papers in Ireland um, and the UK as well. David Walsh writing about it, with Tommy Conlon, an Irish journalist, writing about it in the Sunday Independent here about you know what she's likely to face, I guess, over the forthcoming months and years. And her position would seem to be, however much this verdict found in her favour. Her position now almost seems untenable, Kev, which is quite incredible when you think the outcome of this cake and the treatment that she's likely to receive based on the reaction we have seen from the members of the weigh room at present. I suppose it's kind of typical for whistleblowers. Is that fair to say? You look at the you know, yeah, wider yeah. society, you know, whistleblowers yeah. tend to have yeah. a really, really tough time. And, um, and, and she's blown the whistle in this case. She's lifted the curtain on the, of the weigh room culture. Um, she bypassed the BH the, the PJA, sorry, to do it. Um, which one wonders did that rile the PJA and perhaps perhaps speculating, obviously, uh, perhaps guide some of their approach to this case as as Tony outlined and Vanessa too, just, just seems so odd at times uh, and flabbergasting, really. You know, those couple of statements they put out they really were. Oh, like like as these things go, as as response to crises go, etc. Like really odd. But the female really jockeys odd. one, the female <laughs> jockeys one, which is was off the scale. Weird. It was incredible. It, apart it was... from apart from the fact that nobody saw fit to put their name to it, the fact that I haven't had a bad experience means you haven't. Had, you can't have a bad experience. It's just it's just non it's nonsensical and it's like it's harebrained. Yeah, it's incredible. And we, we've seen largely, and you know, to, to widen it to kind of the weighing room culture, you know, we have seen at different stages of this case, you know, the, the cliche circling of the wagons, you know, and, and we, we always hear, and it's talked about in reverential terms a lot, the weighing room culture, you know, the the the, the inner sanctum, you know, the camaraderie, etc., the, the how unique it is in, in a sporting sense, and, and, it, and it probably is, but 
there's a lot of shortcomings in amongst it, clearly. You know, this this notion of self-policing has made me uncomfortable for an awful long time because as we, we touched on it last week, it's just fundamentally unfair. You know, the, the younger guys coming up don't get don't get equally treated in that situation. And, it, you know, the, the, it's the current senior guys have probably come up through an even tougher culture of self-policing as they came up as young guys. So, you know, they're, they they paid their dues. They're happy for, for it to stay that way. And they're imposing it on the younger guys too. And, you know, this isn't the first time the system has failed. You know, there's been numerous, you know, physical fights in way rooms over the years that we know about and plenty that we, that we, that we the public don't know about that you, that you hear stories of um, a few times in both Ireland and England. You know, there has there have been physical fights in the weighing room following race incidents that the stewards did deal with. But there's plenty they don't deal with it, and and we you know again we we touched on it in this podcast I suppose more than most the the, the Tory Brown McMonagall situation in the weighing room on Champions Day which you know didn't get a mention in the stewards report and um, despite it being as serious as it was uh, and this culture surely has to change it's it's surely completely unsatisfactory it may have suited plenty of people um, when it was going on behind closed doors and no one knew about it but now as I, as mentioned Bryony has served to lift the curtain. And when people see what goes on here and the things that pan out, it's not satisfactory in this day and age. And I qualify it with this day and age, Hugh, because ultimately, you know, the world changes. The world has changed massively in the last five or six or 10 years. Things that were deemed acceptable once upon a time in the not too distant past are not acceptable now. And yeah. the jockeys have to have to identify this. And you, you would be concerned by their response to it that the right. guys have touched on, that they just lack this awareness of the bigger picture. They're living in this bubble and that they, they may not under their own steam change. And if they don't change, it comes down to the regulator uh, and those that police the sport to, to impose that change on them. So, so, so the question well, is, Vanessa, Vanessa, would you have confidence in the BHA, given the way they've handled this um, hearing that dragged on for months and months on end, or the Professional Jockeys Association, would you have confidence in either of those two bodies to do what Kevin um, says needs to be done now and police this culture in the weigh room. Would you have confidence on either of those bodies? Oh, I mean, off the back of what we've seen lately, it'd be hard to have confidence in the bodies at this point in time. I think the BHA have um, tripped up a good few times along the way with this case. But also, I think the PGA, for points that we've all now outlined, have let down their members at various points throughout this complete shit show is basically what it is. Mm. Um, so would I have confidence in them? Not exactly, but I am pretty hopeful that they're going to put a huge amount of effort in to try and ignite change, I suppose. But focusing in on what Kevin's just said there about he's touched upon this racing bubble, we all live in it. And we all think this is our world and we're all very insular and I'm I'm in a racing bubble. But I think those jockeys are even more in a racing bubble than the rest of us because they just live, breathe. They, every single day is the same routine with the same people. And I, it must get incredibly, you know, it is a it is a complete bubble. And just going back to, you know, 
if somebody had guided them better on a PR point of view, somebody would have said to them, this is, you've got to get out of your racing bubble for a minute. This is not about your pals in the weighing room. Mm. This isn't about your personal feelings towards Bryony Frost or Robbie Dunn. This is a much bigger sporting issue right now. And the wider world is looking in. So from a PR point of view, you need to get on the front foot um, because this will affect, like this could affect sponsorship. This could affect partnerships, investments, media rights going forward. This mm -hmm. could have a huge is... effect on the sport going yeah. forward. Mm -hmm. And the jockeys are, the spokespeople for our sport in the main and I just feel like they never put their head above the parapet and thought oh actually this is a much bigger issue than I'm friends with Robbie Dunn and I'm not friends with Bryony Frost do you know what yeah. I mean I just think yeah. that it was the ultimate and the, and actually the PGA statement just in both statements for me just highlighted the fact they're just living in this bubble it's it just was very short-sighted isn't it very short-sighted this has got this has got real cut through. I'm I'm sure we've all spoken to people since it's broke. It's got cut through, you know, because it is a woman getting bullied uh, and all the unsavory things that have gone along with it. It's got real cut through to non-racing people. Yeah. And, they, and the first thing they say is, why are they changing the same room? And that's the first that's the first thing that comes into mind. And yeah. do we really need this to bring it into focus? It's and. Wait. Sorry, sorry, Vanessa. No, I was just going to say on that note, whether you, you know, from the wider, the wider sporting public and fans and the public looking in, I'm afraid you're so right, Tony. They don't look at the details, right? They don't look at the small print. All they no. see is an older male jockey bullying a female jockey, a younger female jockey in a male dominated world. And the wider world is looking in and they're like, that is not good enough. What was, that, what was that headline of the Times? I'm, I'm trying to find it here. Was it, oh, it jockey support bullying? Basically, I mean, yeah. but how incredible! How is damaging is that? It's so you know? embarrassing. Time is back page, and, and so and so. This is compounded as well by AP McCoy's tweet, who obviously for many is one of the greatest, or if not the greatest, jump jockey of all time. And a tweet he put up last week, the Inside Rail says thoughts on McCoy's tweet last week. Billy Bunter, what's the panel's take? Robbie Dunn's trainer and former Valley David Dunn weighing in, particular against Ruby and Harry regularly saw Ruby exalted an air of intimidation in the waiting room what you make of McCoy's form of showing his contempt for Barney Foss over a fair period of time now says Paul Wilson uh, why is McCoy blocking every person who doesn't agree with him says Lee Butterworth and Tractor Boyd does it put racing in a bad light when you have leading lights such as Matt Chapman and AP McCoy appearing from tweets to be more sympathetic towards those outside it did seem like to me um, Tony Calvin that yeah. it was almost like this movement of jockeys and former jockeys being galvanised to compound and uh, to come down on, on Briny Frost such that, well, if we all stick together here and if we all hold our line, we will make sure that this does not go further than it needs to go. That's what it seemed like to me. It's, 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 I'll come on to that. I mean, it might be a good time to, I'll, I'll do what questions I put to the, to this, this flat jockey. He's, yes. He's steeped in national racing as well. We'll come to that in a minute. But what I found really sickening. Uh, among all of this, I, mean, I, I found the most damaging and, and you know, I wouldn't say tear jerky, but it just made me angry, is the, ex the exchange that Hannah Welsh, um, she outlined in her report, just saying for one minute she was crying and Robbie Dunn was in her face shouting and screaming for a minute and nobody came to her attention. Nobody come and pulled him away. I mean, what, you know, you don't need PR. You don't need PR people telling you what's right and wrong here. And, and that's what's my disappointing Angle is from that. Would you, let your, would, you, would you let your daughter go into a culture room where that was acceptable? Where a, where, where a, a young female professional, right, yeah. was picked upon, was shouted at, 
buy a jockey and nobody came to her defense would you allow your daughter or sister to do that the answer yeah, is where, where's the authority no. figures to where's the people with authority in that in that setting you know you know people talk about again the self-policing or oh, why didn't one of the senior lads go over and grab hold of him and tell him cop on yeah you know that it shouldn't be down to one of the senior lads to do it you'd like to think they would but there surely is there someone in there with authority in there like a rule enforcer that, that could go hey buddy, the stop. only you're, you know into the stewards room now you're getting banned for seven days you can't talk to people like that the only you know, logical like, where's the discipline the only logical conclusion to come to is that the jockey's in there at any given time for it was justified and she deserves it and that's the most damning thing about about all this but let me just come on to you a, a couple of yeah, I, go put, on. I, I put my glasses on you have to you have to uh you have to bear with me here because my my writing when I was on look at you, you big sexy beast, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I, I spoke to this unnamed jockey and I just said, "Look, you're a flat jockey. What's the difference between flat and jumps?" He said, "Jumps wear rooms more of a family, which may explain this, but the flat is more ruthless as it's a more high stakes business." And uh, I suppose fine. I said, "No, what do I want to?" So what about the self policing and stuff? Well, I said it didn't work in the Gibbons case, um, and and he just turned around and said to me, he said. I never really sat near him, he said. Um, I have a different valet, so I was it was never on his side of the room. It's weird. You have your people that you sit with and people that people people that you are focused on. He said five percent, uh, 95% of the people didn't come across my radar. So it could we could be doing jump jockeys a disservice in that way room, in that they might not have been aware of this if Robbie Dunn was in his section okay. of the room or going where. So um but it is, it is just it is just a room though. I mean, like if people if someone's shouting at someone in a room, unless they're playing, unless they're playing like ACDC at full blast, you're gonna be aware of something. I'm going, trying right? to I'm trying to be yeah. I'm yeah. trying to be even-handed there, but that, yeah, that's yeah, what, that, I'm only just saying what he just said. Yeah, and, I said yeah. and I said about the BHA, and this was this was news to me, and I, I did go back and have a look at it. He said, Why has nobody reported that we had phone restrictions from 2004 to 2018? Every day we have a BHA employed ex-police officer and fireman in the weighing room for half an hour before racing to a half an hour after the last race. They weren't part of the culture sanctuary, but they were there every day, sending daily reports. If the, if the weighing room is so toxic and so rancid, why haven't we heard about that? And I, and I went, and I went, so I, and I said to him, obviously, we've, we've all saw Ryan Moore in the Goodwood weighing room about three or four years ago about Oshin Murphy just saying, mm -hmm. you know, why, you know, uh, you know, when it was all televised and he just said, well, what do you think, Ryan? He said, well, he, you know, Oshie Murphy then, he said, oh, he wasn't strong enough. So, you know, that was very pointed then, wasn't it? So I said, are there any kind of like parallels between Bryony Frost and Oshie Murphy in the early days? So even Oshie himself would admit it. He was a bit cocky and said, he said, well, he said, and I will swear here, because he said, I, he just got told to, to cop the fuck on and have respect after a couple of dumb race moves at Chester and at Sandown. And um, he said, we all get bollocking starting out. It's, it's the ones who take it on board and learn from the mistakes that, that progress. He said, I know it's a stupid saying, but most of the silly things that happen in racing happen in the first half and are hard for the public to see. But in the race, minor moments have key consequences. If people are doing silly things, endangering others on a daily basis, you tell them. It's a hundred, hundred uh, kilogram around animal at speed. Um, I'm not a fighter and never have been. But I still tell apprentices to set uh, to set back off the hills as if, if that keeps him safe, it'll keep me safe as well, because I'll be following him in races to the fact I'm protecting myself um, and by telling him to be careful. So he said these things do go on, but obviously he took on board that you know what went on here was 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 totally and utterly 
Um, yeah, and, and there's, there's a huge, way. there's a huge, there's a huge difference between you know um, if Oshin Murphy is going to go, maybe saying, listen, come on, Oshin, cop on to yourself, there, blah blah. There's a huge difference to that and but, this, which was a sustained and deliberate uh, campaign of intimidation. Abuse. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. By by him specifying, I'm not a fighter. That said, yeah. to me is you know some physical, some physical threats do go on, and you know, and like I said, in the heat of the moment, whether it be any sport, rugby, whatever. You will say something, and then. But the important is the important thing is you back off once you calm down and say, "Yeah, hang on, you know, I'm going to overboard a bit there." But my final point towards him, to him, I, I wanted to understand how this could have how this could have um, got to the stage it did. So I just said to him, "Is the bottom line here that Brani Frost was disliked by the whole of the weigh room?" Mm-hmm. And he turned around to me and said, "100 percent." And I thought, oh, that, that makes me sad, and that makes me. We'll come on to it now. That makes me worry where Bryony Frost is going to end yeah. up on the back of this, because if Cheltenham reaction is anything to go by and all the reaction sinks for the PGA, although they've rained back a bit on Sunday, mm. that really that really concerns me. I mean, the hardship could only just be starting for Bryony Frost now. I mean, I, you know, listening to that, you can only take from the last two weeks of what we've seen unfold that Bryony Frost is, for whatever reason, generally disliked within amongst her weighing room colleagues and I don't say that with any pleasure at all I don't understand why she's always been perfectly lovely to deal with in the in the very small dealings I've had with her she seems like a perfectly nice girl and she rides really well but also I don't really care that she's not liked she doesn't have to be liked she's a professional she's not in there to make friends and it's not a personality contest she goes in there she does a job she does it bloody well a lot better than half of them in there and she walks away again she shouldn't be bullied for that end of yeah, yeah it, sh- it shouldn't it shouldn't matter vanessa but it does when you have this self-policing culture in there because that's the reality if, if she was well liked it wouldn't have come to this because someone what would you would do okay, just- okay what would you do to sorry to what would you do to police the weighing room culture now. This is the line in the sand. This does not happen again. What does the BHA or the PGA need to do to eradicate this self-policing culture that clearly does absolutely not work? Well, you have somebody, you have someone there, uh, you know, it's quite not quite supervising, but observing Hugh. Like, like yeah. um, the jockey that Tony was, was speaking to there mentioned about there's already someone there to monitor mobile phone usage. There was, you yeah. know. You know, when, when that was applicable, you know, why don't you have someone just all oh, sit down all day? You know, he's not being made to anyone, he just sits there. You, you know, know I was, and, and he's aware of what's going on, he's aware of any tensions. You know, these yeah. guys get to know what's going on. Like and, a HR and, person, like a HR yeah. person. Essentially, Hugh, you know, it shouldn't be necessary, but clearly, look, this is a high octane sport. You know, tempers, tempers can get frayed. And if you have someone there that when things start to temperature start to rise, can step in and say, hey, lads, take it easy. Don't escalate this or there's going to be consequences. But, and they could do you know, so that's much simple, more than it's, that. It's a simple thing, like. It's a as simple well, thing. Kevin, they could do so much more than that. I was thinking about this, and it is a simple thing, and it makes sense. And if they've got the resource to put an ex-police officer in there to make sure they're not using their phones, then they should have a, the resource to put in, I mean, I don't know what the word is, a HR person, a welfare officer, but they could. their reach could be way more than just these odd moments of conflict. You know, only the other day, I saw a jockey, unnamed jockey, I'm not going to name them, at a low-grade flat meeting. He had two terrible outside rides on a couple of 50-to-1 shots. They were tailed off in the end. Saw him walk in. He looked dreadful. I looked at his stats. He hadn't had a winner in 70 rides or something. He's going through a tough time, but he's not a bad lad. And I saw him leaving. He looked even worse, smoking a cigarette. And, you know, 
if someone was around just to, and call me a snowflake, call me whatever you like, but we live in 2021, so this is the way the world is going. If there was, let's say, a welfare officer type person around, Perfect. they might just call that person on the way home and just be like, hey, are you all right? Is everything okay? I know you're going through a tough time of it, but keep your chin up. Whatever it might be, right? Vanessa, don't we have there. that for horses? Don't we have that for horses? Quite. Are they the we have, but don't yeah. have it for jockeys. We don't have it for jockeys. Exactly. We have a welfare officer at every single meeting for the horses. Yet those jockeys, professional sportsmen, are asked to come in with very little support in tough situations, tough mm -hmm. circumstances, mm -hmm. and do a job. And then on top of that, be the spokesperson for a million pound industry at the same time when the media circus gets rocking and rolling. They've got a lot on their plate. I'm not excusing their behavior and some of the stuff they've come out and said, but I think the PJA and the BHA could be doing an awful lot more. And I think specifically how, the PJA have let them down. How do we think the BHA have dealt with this? Because I don't know if you saw it yesterday. Uh, uh, she, she watches the show as well and listens to the show. Helen Sheridan posted a good thing about what the actual BHA uh, yeah, solicitor in the case excellent. actually said. And yeah. um, she actually made a very pointed uh, case there because talking about oh, the, the use of the word rancid and i imagine everybody i imagine somebody's alerted that to the jock and said look we've been called a rancid environment when that, that actually wasn't was given but what, what she made a really good parting shot as well about julie harrington the bha she was interviewed on friday as well on, on itv and she wrote back on the fact that you know it was a mistake to to call the environment rancid and stuff like that and helen said in her piece of the part shot she wasn't on top of her brief because obviously if you saw the impressive tin nailer on luck on Sunday yesterday, he, he totally refuted that, and it did it did it in a very 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 uh, persuasive uh, and, and clinical way. Yeah, he was brilliant. Uh, yeah, Julie Harrington, she wasn't on top of her brief when when she spoke to ITV on that subject. Now it could well be that you know she wasn't advised or did that in haste or whatever. But uh, the BHA have, have got questions. Yeah, as much as the PJ have got questions answered. So, so yeah. The BHA, the response yeah. and how they conducted the case. I, I I'm not getting all prissy about the leak because. That's a, that's good journalism to me. Um, in, in, in well, 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 just on that, as an extension of that, so the BHA obviously have questions to answer they, themselves. I'm interested to see as well like what they do about this and, and the, if they kind of have an inquiry into the, the last few months as well and maybe set out some rules of what they could do better. Do any of you believe that Paul Strutter's position as the head of the PGA is now untenable? Um, you know, I think he, he unless I picked it up wrong, he, he admitted that he essentially wrote those statements himself yeah which is why i'm asking um, the question is yeah, position in, which, in, which, in which case what 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 on earth was he on i, I yeah look, look can look, he continue look, can we, he continue can he continue paul in this show and he, he's an extremely impressive operator but look this this was clearly a big drop ball big yeah. big drop ball yeah. um and sure look we, 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 you only have to look to wider society to, to the boss man in the uk at the minute and i think dropping balls doesn't mean you have to resign uh, dropping <laughs> balls again and again and again massive ones dropping, doesn't mean dropping you have grenades to doesn't mean he has to resign. Um, uh, but yeah look this this uh, this i, I can't imagine I, paul I, I look mean, back on this with any with any sort of i've known paul when he resigned will he step down, will he step I, down I, I've, I've known paul for any odd years when he used to deal with him when I was at uh, Betfair full-time on the PR side and, and he was on working for the BHA. He's the most impressive individual I've worked with, bar none. Uh, brilliant operator, always on top of his brief, knows what to say, knows what to say, knows when to step back, knows when to keep quiet. Um, I thought he was like, um, he was playing dead a bit in the interviews on on Luck on Sunday and Racing Debate yesterday, you know, you know, you know, 
just not saying anything, being really stepped back, being very quiet, not saying anything controversial, being, uh, you know, being quite, you know, apologetic about it. It's like, you know, I, I think it, I akin it to kind of like uh, a man playing dead because, you know, as long as you don't, pro, uh, don't poke me, I, I, I'm, I'm safe here. Um, it, it, did, it, did, it did occur to me that, you know, his, he, all the air have been taken right out of him. The, the Paul that I saw in two interviews yesterday is not the, not the assured Paul I know. Yeah, but I, I mean, there's, going to be, there's not going to be very little sympathy for him, DC. I mean, to, to, to release those statements, uh, you know, I don't understand under, under any circumstances how he would have felt it appropriate to release the statements and the wording that he did in the aftermath of the case and the seriousness of the findings and the length of suspension. You know, and that's why, yeah. You, you, know what, you know what came to light? Um, I thought the analogy I took when I was listening to this and since Friday, the BHA had a situation where Steve Harmon, the, the BHA chairman, was really overstepping his brief uh, and getting into, uh, you know, Nick Russ and set, et cetera, making his life really, really problematic. I could well be barking up the wrong tree here. I just wonder what the new PHA chairman who came in in December, John Holmes, um, you know, brilliant sports agent, got loads of people on his book, Gary Lineker, et cetera. I'm just wondering how much is being driven by him and not Paul here, and if Paul feels uncomfortable by it. But Paul's always got the option to step away if, if that is the case. But what I saw from what I saw from uh, John Holmes on ITV on Friday was, was pretty worrying. Um, pretty worrying for, for Bryony going forward because yeah. uh, he admitted he hasn't spoken to her. Paul admitted uh, he hasn't spoken to her. Now, in all of this, for her, they hasn't case, spoken to her. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Or maybe she well, think, think phone to, to, to balance well, it. And know. I think, to be fair, obviously, uh, Mick Fitzgerald sits on the board of the PJA, doesn't he? Mm. And I think he'd been the link, as far as my understanding is, between the PJA okay. and Bryony. And I yeah, Mick is her jockey coach. Yeah, um, I spoke to him quite recently and, you know, we, I asked him how she was and, you know, we had a chat about her and it was very clear he'd been in very constant communication yeah, with man. her. His comments, his comments on ITV uh, haven't been four square behind her, have they? Come on. No, nobody has. Nobody has. I mean, okay. my final point on this, just yeah, for, for Bryony, for Bryony going forwards, hmm. you know, I just hope the other jockeys in the weighing room, the PJA and the wider anybody involved in the sport can see the bigger picture here can move forward from this in a professional way whether you like Brian or not whether you agree with the outcome or not I'm not sure how you couldn't but whatever your view is now is the time to show your professionalism and move forward in a way where you're standing up and you're saying this has happened we've acknowledged it we're aware of the situation and we're not going to let this affect the weighing room but also Bryony and her career going forwards she needs to know that she can carry on going about her job, whether she's liked or not, in a way where she's a, she's allowed to do her profession. I mean, at the very least, do you know what I mean? At the very least, somebody needs mm. to make it clear to her that she is welcome to come and do her professional, her profession just, as best just, she can. Just, just very briefly, if we're in her position, you'd be absolutely shitting yourself going to work at the moment, wouldn't you? Well, I tell you what, it would be wholly and entirely uncomfortable for her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's she been vindicated. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I suppose just just to widen it again, like look, I, after the, the Gordon Elliott situation earlier this year, like I thought I'd never come across a more toxic period for horse racing. But the last two weeks has been rough. Now yeah. it's been very unseemly the way it's panned out. The divide between the weighing room and everyone else, like it's been really, really rough. And my final word on it would be: I just hope it hasn't been for nothing, and that it does stimulate some positive change. 
you know, and there does need to be serious change in a number of areas, you know, BHA, PJA, the jockeys themselves, the weighing room culture, like there's an awful lot that the curtain has been lifted up on with this case. And I hope that um, everyone, uh, as Vanessa says, yeah. is aware enough of the bigger picture yeah. to realise that we need to change. Um, and uh, okay. maybe, okay. maybe Brian in our first interview afterwards, uh, she, she's got, she's got some, uh, something yeah. to say on that yeah. point as well. well. Well, absolutely. Look, when we watch this space, uh, we wish her the absolute best. And we hope, as Kevin has just said, that this results in meaningful change. Uh, thank you all for your contributions and for all the questions as well that we did get in. We, we covered most of them as well. Um, but, uh, you know, in general, to Sam Hill Racing Forum, Dan Belmore, Jerry Kelly, Derek O'Donnell and Harry George. We have loads more questions to come at the end of the show. I do want to talk about some of the action from the weekend because there was a couple of points that were worth highlighting um, from the weekend. My Drogo for um, the Arkle, I think, is sevens now. And um, Vanessa, his jumping was okay. I think the... General impression was that his jumping could be a little bit better and there might be more favourable performances as regards the article picture. But just overall, your thoughts on my job? Were you impressed? Uh, no, I wasn't impressed. No, <laughs> uh, I, I loved him last year. He, um, you know, I loved him. He looked like a chaser. He's trained by someone who knows how to get them jumping well. Um, but yeah, he has a long way to go in the jumping division and whichever way you look at it, look, when he's bang on the money, when he's right, when his stride is right, he's absolutely fine, but he doesn't seem to have the brain at the moment to be able to, you know, he's far from dancing in front of the boards. And then when he's long, he does that exaggerated stretch. He's not yeah. going to be able to do that in a hotter class of race. He got away with it the last day but at Cheltenham. Um, he's a long way to go. I'm not saying he's still got the engine and he's a very talented horse, but he's not on my short list for any race at the moment. No, I'm sorry. It was the Marsh. He's seven to one from uh, seven yeah. to one for the yeah. Marsh, not for the Oracle. Yeah. Um, obviously, with Shishkin has that... Uh, I'm uh, not sure what I should say, but he's 71 for the Marsh and for he's, I think, 16s or 20s for the Arkham if you're so inclined. Yeah, um, the, drop okay. him in trip. That's the thing to do with you. Drop him in trip. Yeah. As Vanessa says, he showed a lack of brains there a couple of times now. Yeah. I think sometimes those horses, they're, they're better off allowed being, you know, take brains out of the equation and just ride them a little bit more aggressively over two. Um, and they can find it a bit easier. That's what I've been doing. I, I, Kev, I, Kev, I was more impressed with Blue Lord. I, I thought I thought his jumping was excellent. Fourteen to one for the Argyle. I, I, I'd actually be much more interested in that as a bet. Um, if that's where he decides to go, then then to back my Drogo. What did you think of Blue Lord? Yeah, the, the wheels are starting to turn for Willie a bit now, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the rain has arrived, and he, he started. He had a couple of. Um, chasing newcomers there, one after another. Blue Lord and Statler, yeah. and I, I thought they were both good. That was good as well, yeah. Um, look, neither of them were up around the tip toppers of the, the novice herders last season, but they weren't a million miles away. No, and they seem to have made a good transition to the, to the bigger obstacles. And you, you couldn't rule them out being, you know, you know, contenders in grade one company. But I suppose you gave the example a while back of um, footpath. Of, um, yes, thanks. I was struggling. Um, <laughs> was footpad, a horse that you know, by virtue of his, you know, significantly better. Uh, technique over fence than a hurdle he made that jump up so yeah. you, you wouldn't like to rule out the possibility but a two good starts in the two of them what about um for many people blazing cal challenge burst horse at tc um is the most likely winner of the albert bartlett based on what he did at the weekend obviously it's over the course of distance so five to one from eights now mm -hmm. and if you're so inclined 14 to one for the ballymore if you think you'll go with the shorter distance but uh, the Albert Bartlett blazing Cal, would he interest you at five to one? Probably not. Not at the moment, but I think he's I think he's a front runner in that division. I think uh, there's plenty of hands to be played there, isn't it? But he beat mm. the same he beat the same horse by roughly twice the distance, giving it an extra five pounds after a bad mistake two out. 
yeah, I think he's I think he's a big big player. But I think I just, if you take him at five to one now, you've got injury against you. You've got all other horses, you know, coming out of the woodwork as well, which I expect we'll see a lot in Ireland over the over the Christmas period. So yeah, the, I think the one that I was really impressed by the juvenile in turn to Sibylla. Uh, but if you were impressed by that, go back and have a look at the Warwick run where he finished third first time up. And in this world is in that. I think he's 10 to one second favourite in a place for the triumph. Um, okay. It's a massive pointer to his chances. He, he beat Phil Dore, the current triumph, third or favourite on his only start mm. in the flat. So in this world, Dan Skelton's horse, um, arguably the horse that probably the biggest pointer for a Cheltenham winner over the weekend was may well be in this world. He didn't run, but yeah. Um, Excellent. Anything that. else? If anything else, anyone noticed from the weekend, or happy to take our, our listener questions? We're going to get to the ones that we uh, missed out on last week. But um, yeah, cool, so Cody, week, what a tiger! Oh, cool, <laughs> <Cody>. <laughs> you love these drifters, Captain. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, we're finding a pattern. TC, they <laughs> put them yeah. up and they go yeah. on, they go yeah. on yeah. drift. If, yeah. if, you think, if you think they're not off, they win. Boy, oh, yeah. 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 Special and I did mention say as well to Sam Twiston Davis with Guard Your Dreams and his post-race interviews. We love oh, a bit of character. Brilliant. We love a bit of character in this for uh, and you know yeah. he doesn't hold back these days does he oh, it's fantastic <laughs> the inside himself and his dad going hammer and tongs yeah. oh, and he robbed, he robbed the passport and the passport number yeah. so like, like, <laughs> what the hell i love that i love that inside no it's super i had a week in a week where it's been really tough some of the you know stuff you have to read that was just beautiful but i tell you i tell you what was what was absolutely enlightening and just tying it back in with what the majority of this show has been about he pulled up after that race and every Tom, Dick and Harry congratulated him. Brian, pulled up after winning the Tingle Creek on Grenatine and I didn't see a single person in the shot. I stand to be yeah. corrected, but that says yeah. it all, doesn't it? School year I, itself, isn't it? I, yeah. I stand corrected, said the man in the orthopedic shoes. Yeah, what are you saying to me? <laughs> no, I was going to say, it's good to see there's one amusing ginger in the racing game, isn't there? <laughs> right, on to the questions. Enough of that rubbish. Last week's questions. <laughs> we didn't get to these. So, Martin Ryan, we promised you we would. Um, and hopefully, you're listening. Tony, can you explain um, you and the guys' betting process? You say win only when the price is 16 to 1, or you will say place and win only. Mm. Isn't that an each way bet? Cheers. Yeah, it's, it's just a, just terminology, isn't it? I mean, I do a lot of my betting on the exchange. So, when I say each way, I, I, I back it win and place. Uh, it's it's all to do with the shape of the race and the opposition and the price, etc. There's no there's no one set rule. Sometimes if I think a horse is going to shorten up, I'll back it. I'll back it fixed odds at a set price. But yeah, um, okay, it all depends. Okay, good stuff. Um, apparently, I butchered this guy's name last week. <laughs> you called him Nicky Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, Luke, I'm going to call you Luke M. How about that? Luke e. M. Or Luke, is it Luke Moage? 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 You're the Moage? presenter here. M-O-U-A-J. Listen, Luke, you're going to have to send me a WhatsApp here, right? I'll send you my number on a DM there and tell me how to pronounce your name so I don't mess it up again. Anyway, who would you back at evens to come out on top at Cheltenham? Irish novices or English novices in both codes? English at the moment. English, yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not taking an evens match bet. No. Luke Mouge, Mouage, come on, let me yeah. give you a steer here. I don't get the, your name. The, the, the name, name has its origins in a typo on a birth cert somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah. We've had this before. It could quite happily pronounce a Fijian winger who's got about twenty-seven <laughs> letters in his name, but he can't. But a six is beyond his brief. <laughs> it is. It's a little bit. It's a little bit too far. Sorry about that, Luke. Um, Paul says, uh, "Why isn't the misuse of the whip treated the same as other riding offences? If the whip misuse is deemed to have altered the result, then the places should be amended." They barely oh, yeah. amend the. They barely yeah. amend the places at the best of times. Oh, let alone Christ. when the. Yeah. 
Whip has been misused. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a debate. It's a debate. You know, both sides will have points on that. I don't necessarily agree with it myself, but you can certainly see the case. Yeah. So it's yeah. a difficult thing to quantify. You know, does two extra strokes of the stick make a difference of, uh, you know, a nose, a short head, you know, a neck? Yeah. I, I don't have a clue. Um, I, no, no one can. So yeah. it's, it's a tricky thing. Punters yeah. and makers wouldn't put up with it because obviously then you'll lose a double result concession, etc. etc. No, it'll never happen for, for, okay. for punting reasons. Okay, let's go. Um, so Stephen Holmes says, uh, why any reason why Danny Mullins isn't the number one jockey for Willie with Paul Townend injured? Well, I think because Paul is number one, um, there just seems to be a bit of a pecking order, Kev. But I mean, I, I'd say Danny would get a, a lot of the decent rides when, when Paul is there. Paul actually was back last weekend, so he was back on Blue Lord and, and Sattler. Great to see him, him back in the saddle. Um, yeah, he'd, he'd be, you know, he's up there in the mix, isn't he? I, I don't know yeah. how rigid it is. It's kind of, a, 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 you know, obviously an internal matter for Willie. I don't know how rigid that structure yeah. is, but she, we, we know yeah. he's bang up there in the mix, you know, underneath Paul at this stage. Yeah, and he brilliant season last season as well. So uh, that one in his case, no harm whatsoever. Um, and then the last one for last weekend is Brian McEnany says, playing devil's advocate, does anyone or everyone need to be careful with honeysuckle? It wasn't long ago, Apple's Jade was doing similar, they went off the boil. Mares seem to regress very quickly. There is a bit of a caveat here, Brian, I'd say, I remember Apple's Jade, obviously just, you know, she just disappeared off a cliff and they couldn't really get her back to the way she was. Is that a general thing with mares, Kevin? Do we need to be careful here? Or, or what's your view? No, I think it's down to the individual. You know, any horse yeah. can go off the boil all of a sudden for no apparent yeah. reason. You know, you could find plenty of examples of geldings and colts, etc. whatever you want. And that's horses, but... Um, honeysuckle, yeah. in fairness to her, based on what she did at Fairhouse, there's um, no sign of regression yet. I know. No sign. Okay, let's move on then. Chris Poole says, "What price would the esteemed pa- esteemed panel, Chris? What show are you listening to? Hello. Be that the UK national hunt racing is still taking place in 20 years' time, I would be odds against personally. Is Ooh, the future? Well, 20. I I I had a very interesting conversation with uh, a trainer who everyone I think would agree is a legend and a forthright thinker and an intelligent man, and he told me he thought jump racing would be done in 20 years and flat racing would be done in 40 years so make Oof. sure you're into another sport Vanessa for your profession oh my gosh so take yeah, that as I don't know if I'd be quite that go to that extent but you would be very concerned for jump racing like yeah. you would you would you know speaking speaking freely among friends you would be you would consider the way the world is moving you would be consider you would I would have to consider jump racing's demise inevitable. Oh, unfortunately. Well, you're gonna have to get someone um, else to present this podcast during the summer. Yeah, then, hopefully, you're thinking you're talking more fifty years than twenty years, but you know, if, dead by then. The, the, the world changes. Yeah, it's it's very depressing. Clearly, but it's it wouldn't be a difficult thing to envisage just the way the world is going is and the way who, animal-based sports the, the 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 rise in opposition to them and the gradual pairing back that, that we're already seeing in front of our eyes, you know, there does seem to be an end destination and that is, you know, okay. the end for, for even, jumping. And even then more once depressing. They, once they finish with jumping, yeah. they move on to flat racing, unfortunately. Oh, stop, right. David Brown says, how many days, sorry, did you want to say something to you? No, 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 that's fine. Okay. Um, David Brown says, how many days does uh, Kevin think um, Aaron Ortiz would have got in the UK and Ireland, I'm guessing two in the UK and none in Ireland knowing our stewards for what he did? Ah, uh, he would I gen and then you know I know everyone knows I'm hot on this issue, but genuinely I think if it happened in the UK, he would have got ten to twelve days, and in Ireland, I, really? I, yeah, you know we we saw some bad enough ones there in the last year that kind of got nine days. Um, I in Ireland, five to ten. 
Mm. Okay. Um, okay. Which, 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 is, which is absolutely okay. and utterly ridiculous got- if you've seen the incident. But, you know, and, and I'm not trying to stir. That's based on, you know, I watch this probably as closely as anyone. And, the, the, you know, you have to, you, have, you don't see many getting more than 10 days in the UK. And it's rare for careless riding. Um, in Ireland, you know, Barrett's, you know, a Shane Foley case, but it was a couple in quick succession. You just don't okay. see long bands just despite mm-hmm. him, you know, no matter how shocking they are. And that, that one in America was probably as bad as you see anywhere it's ever. Shocking, shocking. William Kajani says left field, but what preparations have been made by major racing bodies or smaller ones regarding Omicron? Are there contingency plans, etc., for new measures, plans to boost vaccination rates for those without a dose? And other things that stricter restrictions would have put up, etc. I don't think I think it's just a general populist thing, isn't it, William? That mm. you know, generally people are being encouraged to get their booster shots, and if they do, then life will continue as it has done. I don't think specifically for racing there are any um, extra measures. That's uh, as far as I know. If anyone else yeah. disagrees, you can always text us in. Andy Corbett says, "Should there be no jump racing one day every other week to give jockeys one day off a fortnight in winter, and the same for flat racing in the summer?" I think there are some blank weekends, aren't there? Uh, yeah, we've, we've got more blank Sundays in Ireland than we used to now, and they, they seem to yeah. be popular. Um, I know yeah. it's not one of fortnight, but I think I think they're more cognizant of that now, and they brought in a, a winter break for flat jockeys for for the top flat jockeys in Ireland. They're starting this year, where mm. I think they have a couple of weeks there where races are restricted to jockeys that have you know haven't ridden X number of winners in the last year, etc., which would essentially yeah. act as a as a break for the top guys. Yeah. There was okay. a, there were, they were up in arms. We had four or five days recently of uh, no weather racing and, and people complain about that. But yeah, it does happen. Breaks do happen. Yeah, I was Lovely. gutted not to be on my way to Wolverhampton, Tony. I bet you were. Send it to over your face. Um, Go Connor says, no racing in Ireland on Sunday in two modern meetings in the UK. Cannot understand why Irish meetings, at least not on a Sunday. Big courses in the UK. Not interested in Sundays because the weekend crowd in the UK won't get drunk on Sundays, whereas the Irish don't care. <laughs> Similar team to the last time. I think, yeah, go, Connor. any day of the week uh, is, is fair game if you want to fancy a few points. I'm going for some this afternoon because it's Monday after all. Uh, given the seemingly growing trend of horses having spinal surgery, Epitant, a notable recent example, and the potential for an improvement in form, should punters be made aware of this on the race card, as is the case with wind operations? So, you know, um, Kev, spinal surgery, if it happens, should it be down or is it just up to the punter to go and research it? Um, I, I kind of like it to be declared just so, because I have a feeling that it might not be as effective as people think it is, um, you know, which, which is the real uh, wider point about the, the breeding operations one is that they made an absolute hames when they made that declarable because it's not yeah. made public what type of wind operation they've had. They apparently collect the data, but were deemed um, unworthy of it. <laughs> Um, for okay. some for some reason, because I know the likes of me, those stats nerds, would love to be breaking it down by procedure, etc. Uh, but do I think it'll happen? No, I don't think there'll be a big clamor for it. Um, you know, okay. all information can be used in positive ways, but um, it was a big enough struggle to get them over the line in wind ops, which are very very popular now. Kissing spine mm-hmm. is getting kidding, kissing spine surgeries are getting more popular, but I think they're still relatively uncommon ideas okay yeah all right jordan grinnell says my girlfriend's quite into eventing and i've recently got into racing and she said in eventing competitors will wear air jackets and ask why jockeys don't to which i didn't know the answer do any of you know 
Well, that one, air jackets for anyone who don't know, they're like, uh, you put them over your body protector and they just look like a sort of plastic gilet type thing, but you mm. clip it on to, they've got a little bottle inserted in them of air and then you clip it onto your saddle. And if you fall out of the saddle, when the clip gets released, the air jacket goes off and you blow Bounds. up essentially. Okay. Um, uh, eventing is very popular because it saved a lot of people <laughs> from uh, a lot of rotational falls, but in racing i would guess and i tell me if i'm wrong anyone but i would guess it's the problem with the noise when the clip uh detaches from the saddle it makes a hell of a bang and in eventing you see a lot of horses when the rider hits the floor the jockey the horse tends to bolt because they hear the bang of the air jacket and that wouldn't be suitable in races because of obviously the rest of the field yeah yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That makes a lot of sense. Enough. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Good answer. Good sense. Yeah. Um. Okay. Rich yeah, says. I'd say the way some of it, uh, just to add that, I suppose, in racing, obviously, we've seen it. You get some uh, very close to unseatings as well in, in racing that don't become unseatings. And yeah, you get a situation yeah. where yeah. The, the air jackets deploy when the jockey is, you know, isn't yeah. fully out of the saddle. Rachel Blackmore, Gin and Lime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like Michelin, like Michelin man all of a sudden. <laughs> okay. Uh, good stuff. We've had, um, Rich wants to know in terms of uh, percentage of a fallers, um, do you have a feeling that fences at Cheltenham have become more forgiving? Lots of recent examples of horses plowing through. And um, well, I think generally, uh, I know that the Grand National fences obviously have been more forgiving. Is that the same with Cheltenham fences? I don't, I don't think there's a, any rhyme or reason to that. No, no. Okay. Right. Um, thanks for the question. Anyway, um, we've had one from, um, uh, sorry, Salve EFC says, I'd be interested to know your expert opinions on Fusil Raffles' performances, whether or not um, it puts to bed, whether or not Chamblou would have bolted up by extension. What's next for both horses? I'm not a fan of Fusil Raffles at all. No. Uh, Chamblou, I, I, I kind of like, but I mean, again. Chamblou, we won't see him back till the till the uh, spring, will we? We're still getting yeah. over that fall. But uh, yeah, no, exactly. Chamblou's a, a, obviously a massive player in the free mold division. Uh, Kieran, thoughts on floodlit jumps meetings? Big enough costs associated with it, but it would be something different. Floodlit jumps meeting. Yeah. Uh, Kieran, we've got enough going on in the world of yeah, racing yeah. at the moment. I would absolutely love a floodlit jumps meeting at Sandhead or, or Kent. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, that's an excuse for you to go down and have a few jars. That's all. Andrew Lord what, says, what about all weather jumping? I, I, want, I want to see all weather jumping trial again. On, oh. on, the, the, on the new type of surfaces we have. On Savile, yeah. God, Savile back in the day was, oh, Suluk. Yeah, because they, 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 they didn't give it a go, but that was a, that was a long time ago. That was like long, the early yeah. 90s, wasn't it? Okay, and they okay. Gave it a go and and there was issues with riders getting injured, but you, you know, everyone's schools and all weather surfaces now. You'd love it. I'd love to see him give it a go, another go. Andrew Lord says, sorry to interrupt, Andrew Lord says, does racing do enough or say enough about horses when they die after falls? I mean, there are a lot of recent examples always an afterthought hardly mentioned. Look, I, I, Andrew, I think it's one of these questions. I'm going to take this, where, particularly for television companies. You're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. If you put too much attention on a horse that has passed away, you are absolutely hounded. And it has, it's happened recently with RTE as well, um, with Paul Nolan's horse, latest exhibition, that they're absolutely hammered for what they did show. If you don't show enough that people say, oh, you're not giving enough respect to the horse. Uh, it's a no-win situation as far as I'm concerned. I'm speaking from experience here. Like, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And you know, in it. fairness, RT showed the replay three times on that, though. Yeah, and that was, was inadvertent. And that was an act. It was, it was, it was. And they hold their hands up and it was inadvertent. And it was uh, a couple of reasons for that, which they have apologized for, which is not satisfying the owners and they're doing what they're going to do. But you look, let them blow into the mist and oh, see what happens. Oblivious, um, to be honest. 
Yeah. Um, Thomas Kennedy says, how's the installation of the CCTV cameras coming along in Irish race courses? Uh, no idea. Yeah, I, I asked the question on that, you, and um, there, there's an update coming on Monday. I think, look, in fairness, whenever you're dealing with HRI and IHRB, everything has to go, because it's semi-state, it has to go through like a, a really um, kind of over-the-top um, procurement process and tendering process. And I think they're at the very end of that now. So there's an update coming next week, I'm told. Okay, good stuff. Um, uh, maybe one for TC. Do we ever see in-race gambles on horses where connections let a horse run in a large SP and then crash it uh, to a false-looking price versus SP and a track position in running? That's interesting. Well, I, I'm, um, too much. I'm sure it does go on, and you hear about stories about people waiting to the in-running or, or vice versa. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, in-running is, is a factor. We, we see a lot of this, the in-running the in-running stuff is normally uh, precipitates a, it's normally a pre-race gamble and the horse that's gambled on gets an easy lead. That happens a lot. So yeah, the in-running market isn't detached from the pre-race market at all. Okay, once uh, Minnie wants to know, uh, when was the last time there was a board meeting at the IHRB and what new measures have they implemented since the Oireachtas report? Again, with the CCTV's issue, I don't know, um, do you notice? Yeah, look, history is showing that progress is glacial, even in testing times. I haven't heard anything on those fronts and I was okay. still waiting to hear um, about Dennis Egan's replacement. Um, no yeah. news forthcoming on that at the minute. It's you in it. It's, it's not you, Kev, is it? Uh, yeah, I can confirm it is not me. <laughs> right. William Lynch says, what is Willie Mullins actually doing, going to do with all his novice changes? What is Willie Mullins actually going to do with all his novice changes? Win, win races and split them up as best he can. Neil Thomas, natural history's run at Donny would appear to oh. vindicate your rule for jiggery pokery. Comment on racing only better yeah. reference. The same horse price crash the week before, so smashing rises. Um, on horses they know will be withdrawn at the punters I, I won't get into that but I, I, I made a point of looking at that horse uh, at the weekend I think the, the first job there was to settle it I thought he ran a great race and I don't we haven't had a deck through but he was in the Betfair yeah. Exchange Trophy on Ascot okay. on Saturday I'm wondering if uh, it might turn out again quickly there Lovely. Okay, Mike Moore says, did anything more come to the last three questions of the Phoenix Thoroughbreds and the OneCoin cryptocurrency scandal I yeah, I'll tell you if, you, if you're unfamiliar with that, I'm sure all the listeners know about Phoenix Thoroughbreds, but if you want to get up to date on the, the OneCoin thing, there's a podcast mm -hmm. out there, BBC podcast called The Missing Crypto Queen, that, that's as good a thing as you listen to all the year now. Right. Um, and in terms of updates, I think Ireland is basically the only nation that they're kind of operating freely in at the minute, or certainly one of the only ones. They, they, they may still be tipping away in America as well, but um, France, the UK, Dubai, Australia, they've all closed up shop with Phoenix yeah. Thoroughbreds. When I say in the UK, um, there yeah. are some other um, issues going on. There were former Phoenix uh, horses being leased to um, to their trainers, which seems a kind of a, you know, speaking plainly, a bit of a workaround. But um, they're still okay. operating, but it's becoming very, very difficult for them. Um, and HRI don't seem to want to make any moves on it. They're still running away okay. in Phoenix's colours in Ireland, which uh, is is rare around the racing world at the minute. The name of that podcast again, the One Coin Crypto Queen. The, the, miss, the Missing Crypto Queen. Missing crypto it's queen. five queen. stars okay. from Kevin Blake. Nice. Five times Kevin Blake. Good stuff. Liam D says, uh, last two questions. Is it possible that Thompsons could consider sending Envoy Island back to Calentra? It's not happening at all with Henry de Bromhead. When you think how much Gordon and Davey thought of the horse, there could still be a championship horse in there. Uh, won't happen. Won't I happen. Asked, I asked the question from a fellow that would know, and he said it would seem extremely unlikely. He could foresee new horses being bought by Chiefly Park going to Gordon. He says that that's that that could well happen, but in terms of yeah. sending Envoy back, it seems highly unlikely. But okay. um, you'd wonder if. You'd wonder, would it, would it be considered? It might not be a bad option for the horse. 
And to Paul as well, I, I think we pretty much covered this one. Does uh, watching racing trying to squirm its way to the latest scandal prove that it not, it not only is the weighing room rancid, but indeed the whole industry is, especially when you consider that what gets into the public domain is probably only the tip of the iceberg. I wouldn't say the whole industry is rancid, Paul. I'd say there's like flaws like everything. And certainly this case highlighted many flaws within uh, racing itself and, and the culture. But I, I think, you know, we all love it here. So you're not going to get us uh, turning our backs on the sport anytime uh, soon. My thanks to everybody sending the questions as always. My thanks to Kevin, to Vanessa and to TC. We're back with Racing Only Better as well in a few days time. Um, I think this is the last week before Christmas, is it? So I guess only is one it? thing left for me to do. Yeah, I think it's the last week waiting before Christmas, is it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. We'll be doing a Boxing Day with Anna. No, yeah, yeah, wait in, but we'll do racing only better, obviously, previewing um, the races. So the last chance we'd ask, uh, Vanessa, do you fancy drinking before Christmas? Or are you, are you... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a no from me, Hugh. It's a no, it's a no three, times, three times a charm. Right, good luck. <laughs>